change the game. Consider the game changed. Lefko, the L-E-F-K-O-E, man. And I have Warren Sharp, who is dapper. He's ready to go. And I'm going to be honest, we've talked to each other now twice over the last two days. We are both fucking pumped. Because I think we both believe we're about to create some betting content that people haven't gotten before. And that is going to positively impact them on a weekly basis if you want to get down or if you just want to watch the games a little bit differently. How you feeling? Oh, I'm fantastic, man. Week one of the NFL season, the best time of the year. So happy we're ready to go. And of course, I totally echo everything you just said there. I think we're going to provide people with good information, Mm -hmm. stuff that they're going to be able to learn here and then take to as they watch the games. Yes. Like, oh, I noticed what they were talking about. Exactly. And that makes some money too. So I want to start off and I want to talk about kind of the research you've been doing this summer. How do you process week one? I want to do all of that. But first, I want to give you a present. From now on, every Friday podcast is going to start with a different theme song. Rod Simba, the producer, the musical engineer, the music director, the king of the castle. I asked him to come up with a theme song just for you. And I told you this months ago, but I never let you hear it. Nope. Are you ready to hear it now? I am. Beautiful people in the back. I'd like you to play Warren Sharp's new theme song. so hard. Do you like it, Warren? I need that as a ringtone. This That's is good. Man, I got chills. The regulators and Rod Simba, y'all are crazy. I have tears in my eyes because I'm fucking excited. That shit bangs. That's dope. I love shit it. bangs. It bangs. All right. Okay, I've had enough. Um, man, I'm excited. I got my bets here. I got my season-long bets, so I will bring these up if I'm ever getting biased. I'm I'm very pro Ravens. I'm very pro Eagles. I'm very anti Redskins and Seahawks and I'm pro Panthers. So if I get a little bit messed up this year, this is the reason why. But uh, leading up into week one, you've now been able to break down every single game last year. You put out your book, the 2019 football preview. If you haven't checked out sharpfootballanalytics.com or his new site, sharpfootballanalysis.com, you're doing it wrong. But how do you consolidate all that to week one? What is week one like for you with all of that information? Well, it's interesting because I've got a lot different perspective than some people who just started tuning in recently, right? And and just started, you know, maybe bought the book, right? started focusing around free agency and then the draft and then dipped out and we're like, I'm going to go on summer yeah. vacation. I'll come back during the preseason. The difference is this preseason, we saw nobody almost, you know, we really did not get the same level of involvement from those players. And so uh, it's definitely a a different vibe heading into week one. We've Mm. got 15 new play callers, right? 15 new play callers. It's insane because there's only 32 teams in the league. And a lot of quarterbacks played very little in the preseason, if at all. And I feel like half the quarterbacks in the NFL right now are like three years of experience or less. So we don't even have a large sample size for them. No. And so the key is you've got, and that's what, I mean, I'm sure we're going to be talking about sample sizes at some point, but the NFL is tricky. It is a small sample size sport and you can't let that scare you. 
you have to understand how to apply small sample sizes, but layer on top of that what the context is. So when you do your week one, at, I we were talking about this yesterday. This podcast over the year is going to evolve. When it gets to week six, seven, eight, and we start getting more sample size, you're going to be able to use your computer models a lot more. Week one, I imagine you're not even using it that much at all. Yeah, I mean, some people are using computer models week one based on last year. Right. I don't like to do that because I study these teams and these play callers and these decision makers. 15 new play callers. What is their strategy even mm. going to be this year? What good is using last year's information? And then some people would look at computer models and for some reason factor in some preseason data. Like, right. But less less reps for the quarterbacks this preseason. Coaches more than ever trying to hide their yeah. true objectives. Like, what what sense would it make for the Baltimore Ravens to come out on the field and do anything with their quarterback, with the style of offensive playing? I was literally running? reading an article today that said Lamar Jackson. I can't wait to show everybody our actual offense. Like he said that this morning. Right, and 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 that's the point. Like. I just didn't even want him saying anything. I know. All, it all me off season, off. like he was talking about, you know, people were asking, well, how many passes are you going to throw? And so he starts talking. I don't want them talking about anything because they've got such a unique offense. I just want to see it unfolded. Do you play the entire market week one? Do you lay off? Do you play certain games? Because I find week one, I always use this example Mike Zimmer has lost one season opener since coming to the Vikings. It was to Jim Tom Sula and the 49ers, and then Tom Sula and the Niners did not win another game the rest of the year. Week one is weird. How do you approach week one? I do it like I do any week, except with obviously out the aid of my computer model, but right. I'm still looking for value. I'm looking at where do I see these different teams and their starting lineups and how do I view them differently than maybe the Vegas market does, than the other public bettors do? So I'm looking at spots where I think teams are over or undervalued, and then I'm playing off of those. Now, in some cases, we're going to be talking about it on here, which is going to be a lot of fun. There are teams that I like that I might think are bet against week one because sure. I don't like the situation. I don't like the number that they're laying. So, you know, some of the things that we've been talking about, about, you know, season long, yeah. you know, you got to play week one as if it's week one. You don't. You can't take those preconceived notions. Oh, yeah. Like heading into Thursday night, I like the Packers more than the Bears, but I went with the Bears. The game was last night. If the Bears lost, I'm an idiot. Shut up. I don't want to hear about it. Cut that. Um, in, the other thing, too, is I want everyone to understand this. This is a show where we're going to talk about ATS against the spread. You, though, when you bet the NFL— you're doing more first-half totals, team totals, uh, different types of teaser parlays. How do you bet the NFL from an expert, gambler, better kind of perspective? I look at everything a bookmaker's offering, and then I try to attack any place that I see value. And oftentimes, it's in some of the derivative markets. Um, Explain. Exp I don't know what that means. Okay, so like not just the totals on the game, but dive into the first half totals, dive into the team totals, mm. dive into first half team totals, right? Some of the layers so the over-unders is really where you believe there's some form of an availability in the NFL to make money. Well, I have a computer model that's successfully beaten totals for years, wow. so I have Cannot a lot of wait for that computer to start. Can we do some totals in this show as the show goes on, possibly? Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, but really, um, 
what Warren's going to give us perspective in is a lot of line betting. Uh, sharpfootballanalysis.com is his website. The reason that we're not going to do a ton of over-unders early is because, to be honest, people pay a lot of money for your information. So we're going to have the conversation where a lot of against the spread lines, because that's what I like to bet, even though I know it's fucking crazy. And at the end of every episode, I'm going to call my proxy, and I'm going to enter in my preliminary super contest picks. Super contest for people that don't know. It is five picks. I do not have my wallet. I have my card. I'm entered as Lefko Locks. If we win, we are the most accurate. The prize money is about $1.5 million. And uh, 33%, I'll still do the podcast if we win. I promise. Um, let's start off with then a few things that I'm curious about. Biggest line movements. You keep track with... Not even just when the line started, when they first came out a few months ago, but you believe that there's a, a something to pay attention to with preseason line movements because that's when people start paying attention, huh? Yeah, it's it's like when do people tune in? Well, when something's on TV, right? So they start watching some of these preseason week one games and then they say, well, okay, my opinion about this team is a little bit different. So if you look at like the Philadelphia Eagles, for sure. example, um, they opened lower than this, like on the on the market open, but they were around like eight, eight and a half at yeah. the time that week one preseason. Well, now they're up to 10. Mm-hmm. So what, we, what, what have we seen? So the key is look at what we've actually seen from the preseason sure. and whether or not that is a deserved line move, you know, or it's not. To me, it's, we didn't see any Carson Wentz. We saw like, I don't think any, um, for me, it's more like the whole Trent Williams, Washington mm-hmm. has be has they're the reason it went to ten, not eight and a half. Yes. My question for you is is as a better, do I bet with that movement? Do I bet against the movement? Or is it a judgment call where I go, what you just said, is it warranting of the movement? Yeah, you have to look at each situation independently. It's good to note which of the lines have moved primarily because of what we've seen or what how our perceptions have changed. So mm. the Oakland Raiders are another interesting yes. one. They were favored by a point and a half back at the start of preseason week one. And then all of a sudden, what are we seeing? We're seeing hard knocks. They're mm. featured on hard knocks and they look a little... I don't discombobulated. Know. Discombobulated. The Antonio Brown situation. Uh, yeah, a lot of like public questions about the team. Right. And... and when I'm watching the show, I'm seeing a lot of rookies who then or other players who got cut and aren't on the team. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, I thought this Keelan Doss was good. Yeah. He, they cut him. He's not there anymore. So, you know, A.B., he's finally back. I think we might see a little bit of tick back towards. So Oakland, the Raiders but it started at point and a half and now it's a pick em. Yeah. So like from your perspective, you saw you when you see that line movement, what did you think? I thought that the public was selling Oakland pretty yeah. much. I mean, there's no reason for the public to buy Denver, right? Mm-hmm. Why the, We didn't see anything. Joe Flacco didn't look great. The only good thing I saw out of Denver, like that's a major takeaway from like a national scale, yes. is holy crap, Emmanuel Sanders is back from yeah. his torn Achilles. He's catching deep passes. He actually looks decent out here. So that was a surprise. And then you see, you know, Oakland, they're winning their preseason games, right? They're winning their games, like crushing the Arizona Cardinals, for right. example. But they still look like a team that doesn't have their act together. What's really interesting is the Broncos are my, are one of my teams on my, I might substitute them into my super contest. They're right. right on the fringe, partially because there was that article that came out of LaFleur, Kyle Shanahan, and Sean McVay. 
And they all said the toughest DC we have to face is Vic Fangio. Yep. Who do they learn under? John Gruden. Who's John Gruden facing? Vic Fangio. I, I think that Vic is going to have a really good feel. I look at the Raiders' offensive line. Richie Incognito is suspended. Gabe Jackson's out for eight weeks. And here comes a Denver front four that I think is pretty loaded. And, hey, Colton Miller, who we kind of like, and Trent Brown, who we're wondering might be a one-hit wonder, you guys go up against Bradley Chubb and Von Miller in the first game. So there, there's something to me that I... I'm a big fan of Denver in week one, but I don't have them in my super contest. But when you poke hole in my five, I might move them in there. I do like Denver a lot. I just don't like Flacco at all. That's my yeah. Issue. It's gonna it's it's really gonna be interesting to see how Flacco does. Um, they actually have a receiving back out there now, Theo Riddick, right? No, he's out. Oh, Theo's out. Theo's out for like the first. He's on the IR for like six weeks. Oh, that's right. Okay, so I got you, bro. I've been keeping that. track of IR like a motherfucker. We got to talk about injuries in a little bit too. But they, let's talk about injuries now. How do you factor in injuries? Okay, we're we're going to be starting something new on Sharp Football Analysis okay. that I haven't found anywhere else, and I think it deserves to be tracked in this manner. So I'm yeah. pretty excited. I just ordered somebody to to start working on this amazing literally yesterday uh what we're going to do is what i care about and i think we were talking about this off the air is what starters are not going to play this game Mm. what starters are in jeopardy of missing this game so it's not just it's obviously the the 22 guys that are projected to start week one but then as you move through i still want to know the starters that are out that were supposed to be there for the start of the season that aren't playing in week four or week five and in addition i want to know okay now a guy's coming in and he's going to be starting because this guy's out for eight weeks right now, but that guy's injured too, so I want to know that also. So what we're going to be doing is every single Friday coming out with a single article that's going to look at each game's matchup and which starters mm. for this game are in jeopardy of missing yeah. based upon the injury report. And then it's going to get updated again on Saturday when that when final, final yeah. Friday night injury report is released. So that Because normally what I'm doing for injuries is I'm scouring Twitter and I'm looking at a lot of the team reporters yeah. and I'm looking at what those injury reports that they're tweeting out are yeah, so it's if not you're just like going off of spot. limited practice you have no idea the worst is when a guy doesn't practice on wednesday, wednesday doesn't, doesn't practice thursday, thursday returns in a limited fashion on friday you tend to think Sunday. you tend to think he's going to play and but he, you're not positive yeah. and that's the, so doesn't doesn't limited you kind of have a good idea if it's doesn't 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 right, right. those three days no, some of those guys will still end up playing but right. they're they're total total like wild cards in that situation. So that's why this year with the super contest, I'm going to call the proxy, but with all of these, I'm going to put out on Twitter uh, on the left go show account and on IG, what my official super contest picks are at 11 a.m. on Saturday, just because that way we can factor in the injury reports. And that's when we're due. Right. Uh, another line movement was Minnesota before the preseason against Atlanta went from four and a half to three and a half. How did you read that one? That one I don't think is just because people are liking – people saw things in the preseason. Matt Ryan played a lot in the preseason. Yes, he if did. You, if you look at, like, the starting quarterbacks and the snaps they took, it's definitely something that I've been tracking and factoring in. You know, he played a lot, and he played despite getting hit a lot. This coach kept him in the games. Yes. And, and – which is rare. You know, most quarterbacks aren't in that situation in the preseason, especially, like, a vet like Matt Ryan. Um I just I think that's probably more so just a little bit of 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 some sharper money that was touching Atlanta. Some things just to touch on that game really quick. 
Matt Ryan all-time in Minnesota against Mike Zimmer is 0-3. Uh, 19 points in two games combined when he had Cutter. It was like they lost 41 to 28, almost 300 yards. Kirk Cousins has not done great over his career against that Seattle scheme when I looked it up. Uh, when he faced Quinn, uh, they he scored 19, 7 versus Seattle in 2018, 17 versus Seattle with Washington in 2017. Not great against the Chargers or the Niners. Uh, the other thing is Minnesota secondary is really hurt right now. And I don't think people are realizing it. There's this movement online right now where people are going, hey, Xavier Rhodes quietly has fallen off. And then when you factor in the fact that he had a, an injury late last year, which was, oh, he tore his hamstring in week 12 last year. So he's still coming off of that. Mike Hughes is probably not going to play on the PUP. And we got Mackenzie Alexander's on the, on the injury report with a hamstring injury. So I'm looking at Sanu, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, and I'm going, man, the Falcons, if they can keep Matt Ryan upright, they're going to have some opening down deep. My only concern on the other side is I look at the Minnesota offensive line. Their right tackle, Brian O'Neill, did not play a snap the entire preseason, and he's coming in. They got a rookie in Garrett Bradbury, and his welcome to the NFL moment is high. I'd like to introduce you to Grady Jarrett, but we'll see how this goes right away. But my thing is Atlanta's front seven is so small. So this game really is, it really feels kind of like close to me. I had it at Minnesota favored by two, but I could see Atlanta winning this game easily. Easily. I'm So in this game, you're absolutely right. I want to see what Xavier Rhodes does. You know how bad the Arizona Cardinals offense has looked. Yeah. But when they played Minnesota in that preseason game, Kyler Murray was 2 of 2, 25 yards per attempt, targeting Xavier Rhodes against other wide receivers, 2 of 8, 3.1 yards per attempt. Against other corners. Against other corners. Wow. So don't don't think that that's lost on the Atlanta Falcons offense. Yes. You know, they need to fix the red zone issues. And then on the other side of the ball, I'm just so happy we got Dalvin Cook back oh, because man. that guy is explosive. I'm excited to see how he runs in the zone you're, style offense. You're a big early down success rate guy. Do you believe that while Zimmer is obsessed with the run and Kevin Stefanski, that they will throw to Dalvin Cook a little bit also, or is this going to be just let's pound? We've invested a lot in our offensive line and we want to be the tougher team. Yeah, that's the trick. That's the trick is you got to handicap the coaches, not just yeah. what you think the personnel are going to do. And in this case, so many different analytics folks on the Twitterverse have come out happy that the Minnesota Vikings were talking about, we're going to use more play action. And yes. Kirk Cousins is like, I'm reading articles yep. about play action. And Stefanski's talking about the benefits of that. But the fact is, this is a Mike Zimmer coach team. Yeah. Mike Zimmer fired John DeFilippo last season, primarily because he was passing the ball yes, a little bit too much. And so the issue is going to be how much is he going to trust a court a, a offensive coordinator who knows that he got the job because his predecessor passed the ball too much and got let go yes um, but I think that this offense and the play calling is probably going to be on even par with last year if not slightly improved they're probably going to work a little bit of play action in there yep. they're probably going to use a little bit more dynamic personnel groupings yep. all their receivers are healthy right now so it's it's a it's kind of a dangerous offense from that perspective, but I hope that they don't get, they don't zimmer it too much. 
And, and I think the one thing that we're going to watch, too, is there's a few teams. The Zimmer offense, the Schottenheimer, are they going to throw to see the, the running backs more? Uh, Dallas, what's it going to be with Kellen Moore? We are going to keep track of these teams because there's a lot of success rates that you have in your book that may, if they do this, they could improve it. But if we see after three weeks they're not changing anything – we're going to pound them. Uh, my feeling about the Minnesota-Atlanta game, Minnesota wants to drive like 11 play drives. Atlanta's trying to do three play bombs to their receivers. The one reason I, I nudged Minnesota, I, if I were to bet this game and it is Minnesota with three and a half or whatever, I would go the other way with Atlanta, but I'm not that confident in it. But the part of the reason I went Minnesota was home field advantage. Is home field advantage still a thing anymore, Warren Sharp? It is a thing, but it needs to be understood. And it's the understanding is different than what it used to be. So uh, I did a little research on this for okay. for the show. Hey, appreciate you doing some work. We're, 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 we're putting in the hours to give you guys <laughs> some good content here. And so one of the definite things that about home field advantage is that it has fallen off tremendously over the last like decade, couple of decades. Um, I'm pulling up the numbers here. Yeah. Hold on. By the way, guys, for line movements for for the weeks going forward, uh, what Warren also has found is that next week's lines come out what today Thursday Thursday. So next so week two's lines the look ahead lines come out on Thursday. So next week we're going to look at the look ahead lines versus how the lines are at this time next week. And sometimes that movement comes from an overreaction from the games that weekend, and that can be bet on too, something we'll be kind of tr- keeping track of as a segment moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's that's a good thing to, to pay attention to because the bookmakers come out with their number based on their power rankings heading into a game. And much like we thought we knew what these teams were headed into the preseason, right. and now the lines have shifted a little bit because of what we now think they are, the question is, are we overreacting? And so that's what we're going to be looking at. We always overreact. Everybody <laughs> overreacts, especially in week two, because oh. there's only one game to go off of. Yeah, I'm letting everybody know already. Week two, I'm going to try and get most of my money on teams that are 0-1. Right? There's like a very huge statistical balance that like the amount of teams that go 0-2 is like so small. Because this team, this league is a 50% league, man. It's a coin flip fucking league. He's smiling because he knows that I'm on to something. All right, so home, let me tell you about the home dog. The home field okay. advantage. So from 91 to 2002, okay, so that's 12 years, home dogs beat 52.4%, which is the betting rate that you need to hit to beat minus 110 yeah. juice. So if you want to make money gambling on games and you're generally laying minus 110, you have to hit at least 52.4% or better. Wow, okay. 52.4. I've never heard the decimal point. 50, well, it's actually 52.36, but we rounded yeah. to four. So home dogs beat that nine out of 12 seasons, and home dogs went an average of 54.5% wow. over that entire 12-year run. Wow. Okay, But since 2003, home dogs are beat 52.4% yes. only two times in the last 17 years. So it was nine out of 12, wow. then it's two out of 17. And on average, they're only 48.8%. Just looking at home dogs since 2003. Okay, so the value of home field advantage has definitely decreased. And there's a number of reasons why that's a factor. Some relate to like, kind of like economics and the market, yes. which is strange, but it's like, 
TVs are cheaper, more uh, flat screens are available, uh, more cable is available to people. All these things cost less, they're more widely distributed, less people care about going to the games and partaking in that, right. more people want to digest and absorb multiple games at once, Yes, right? So that's a big factor. Then you obviously got the rise of fantasy football, which has distracted people and made people say like, I could go to this game and it's going to take me an hour to drive so to the this stadium. is you explaining how home field advantage has gone away. It, how it has been minimized. It absolutely mm. it's it's the same way in multiple sports. English so this Premier isn't, League, this isn't basketball. Vegas. This isn't Vegas adjusting. You believe that the actual advantage of being in a home stadium has gone down. A hundred percent. So let's let's talk about let's stop talking about the off field things, such as like fantasy football and fans are more distracted yeah. and there's not as much a desire to go to these games and spend a bunch of money on one particular team. Let's start talking about travel. Okay. It's easier for teams to travel now than it used to be. Think about like in the nineties, when I was giving you some of those stats, when home field was real strong, these teams were flying commercial. A lot of times they didn't have the uh, therapy, the massages. They didn't have the in-room training. Like they weren't able to watch film as they're flying to play their opponent in the hotel the night before. Like there were so many technological and like literally physical advantages Food is better. Uh, we wow. know how to deal with rest more, sleep schedules, things of those types that we didn't know in the 90s when like the old school dudes like with Jerry Jones, big old teams and Dallas yes. Cowboys just traveling like we now have the advantages of. This so, makes so much sense. That I've never thought about it before. Yeah. yeah. I mean, travel is one of, is definitely one of the biggest things. You also factor in like player salaries, right? Like, I don't know if it was back in the 90s, certainly back in the 70s. I don't know when it probably morphed away from this. But, you know, you used to have guys that like, they know their schedule. They look at the road games. Oh man, we're going out in this city. We're going out in that city. We're going to have, now I think more guys are viewing it as like business trips. Oh yeah. Business trips. This is, uh, I stand to gain a lot. I only get 16 games. I got eight road games. Like, I can't just take this game off and look crappy. Can I add one? Am I right? Now that also with social media, they're afraid of going out and getting caught more? Bingo. They're they're staying in more? Bingo. Yeah. Bingo. Um, I remember those articles that the Tinder was sweeping the NBA because guys were like, I can't go out, but I still want to go out. Man. And then then the other thing is, too, now that we have – uh, better technology, the officials are held to better standards. Yes. And so before, I think officials used to like, oh, there's not really cameras like on me. There's no replay. So like, what what's the harm? Right. Like, I'll, the, I'll cra- throw the crowd's the going crowd. wild, you know, like, I'll, do the, I'll be uh, influenced. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be influenced. And now they're looking at it and they're thinking, you know, well, I'm going to be graded on this. Like, the video is going to go everywhere. The one guy who didn't call the uh, the offside, the false start on the touchdown pass in Cleveland I, when the Chargers played the Browns oh, last year that was got so fired. So, yes. You know, like they realize that they can't just like screw like, the officials are held to higher standards, too. So the officiating is a little bit less biased towards the home team as well. So you factor all that stuff in and home field is not worth as much as it was. Wow. And we could see it based on the actual win rates of the home teams. Yeah. And we can also see it on the ATS rates. Good, because I bet a lot of away teams in my super contest. That's awesome. Every time I think of a, of a referee playing in the crowd, I think of that naked gun umpire scene where he's just like, steer, right? <laughs> oh, I would love because the NFL doesn't have that. The NBA has had the obnoxious referees over the years. Um, Joe uh, Ingber, if you want to get my, I can't remember his name. The bald guy that 
Joey Crawford, Crawford would like yeah. kick out Tim Duncan and yeah. shit like that. Take like multiple steps as he's like MLB had Joe West. NFL always had like Ed Hockley be like, oh, he's got muscles. But I would love a ref that's like the dumbass Raiders coach. Talk to my ear, so that's 15 yards. Like I would love an NFL ref that didn't give a fuck. The best one was uh the guy got a 15-yard personal foul for giving him the business. Giving him the business. Oh, so good. Uh the other thing that I've always heard is the public is dumb. Bet against the public. Uh, I see here that there are three games where the public is on really heavy. Kansas City, 86% public. Baltimore, 89% public. Philadelphia, 87% public. Warren, thank you for putting in those percentages. When you see that, do you is that something that you think of? Oh, the public's 89%. I got to bet away. What do you think? I never... It is always concerning if the public is super heavy on one side because how often does the public know more right how often (laughs) so um that is it's a factor now i'm not going to bet a game just based on any one little thing so the i might ride with the public you know um but more often than not, it's going to be a losing proposition right. to, to, to do that like with frequency during the course of the season. So it's, it's another one of those things that you take into consideration yes. um, and you realize that if the public's really heavy on something, the issue is not that it can't win. The issue is you're not going to get the same value. You're not going to get quite the same value as you would otherwise. And so when we're betting games, we're trying to look for As much value as possible. Yes. That's why you're here. Because over the years, I've been someone that's bet double-digit favorites out the ass. I have seen a line move and said, I agree with this movement. And you're here because I have a problem. And what what I need from you is understanding value. Because I think what a lot of people go is they go, they can win that. Yeah, but... That's not... Like, they can, but that's not the value. There are other places to find it. So you... What what amount of time when it's like 89% like that big, would you still make that bet or in the back of your head going, I'm going to have to look somewhere else? Like Baltimore is getting 89% public in Miami. It makes sense. Miami's in a fire sale right now. Laramie Tunsil, Kenny Stills, Brian Flores, and a new coach. Baltimore, I'm picking them to be the one seed in the AFC. I'm betting the over on Baltimore. I know that you have future bets in the can against Miami because you saw this weeks ago. Everything aligns with that. But the public is at 89%. How do you deal with that? Well, in this, in this situation, I look at it from like a matchups perspective. If we want to talk about this game, I think that this game is going to come down to the first five minutes. Mm-hmm. If Miami is going to get, they, they tend to get beat up a little bit by Baltimore. Baltimore historically has been a physical team. And they've beaten up Miami the last few years, like in the same situation. Be, beat them up physically. And I think that Miami is not the type of team right now with everything that's going on. Like, I don't know what's going on inside the locker room, yes. right? I love Brian Flores. I've, I've spoken with Brian Flores. I, I love his attitude. Yep. I think he's a really good guy. Yep. I think he's going to be a really good coach. But, you know, it's hard. I understand that they felt obligated to do the Laramie Tunsil trade because of the value they were getting back. And they yes. should have done that trade because they did get tremendous value. But it also hurts their ability to win games this year. There's Think no doubt about, about what it. happened to the Lakers. All those trade rumors with all those guys. 
Make you feel like a piece of meat. And so if they get beat up and pushed around early in that game and Baltimore takes like a 10 or 15 play drive down the field, scores Dead. a touchdown, and then Dead. Miami goes three and out, like I just feel like that the lifeblood is going to get zapped out of that team um, early in the game. I don't want to break it down because I might be making that one of my super contest picks. I have not told Warren what my picks are. No. Are you excited? Yes. <laughs> That was so genuine. All right, so now uh, what I want to do for everybody is I know that we've had crack on before, and one of his main piece of advice was for betters, never chase. Don't lose at one, chase at four, lose at four, chase Sunday night football. Oh, I lost on Sunday. I'm going triple hard on Monday night football. Warren, crack's advice is right. But that's not how I work. I think like everybody, and I want to know, if I don't do good at one, what do I need to do good at four? So we are going to do four shots. One game at one, one game at four, one game Sunday, and then this week, one of the Monday night games. Just to break down, if you guys are kind of feeling it, we're going to break down, especially Sunday and Monday, really your only opportunities, but the big games at one and four that a lot of people are talking about, not really our value, we'll focus on value super contest. So the one one o'clock game that we're going to focus on first is Jaguars Chiefs. Jaguars, new quarterback and Nick Foles, Mahomes and Kansas City. The way that I want to break this down is I'm going to kind of go through how I see it. And then I want you to poke holes. If you hear anything that you want to go on right away, you just jump right in, okay? Yes, sir. First thing that I thought about with Jaguars Chiefs, Jaguars are missing two practices this week because of the impending storm. It's supposed to be 98 degrees on Sunday, and I believe that Florida teams have an advantage in the first three weeks of the season. Remember, it was 97 degrees when the Jaguars faced the Pats with Blake Bortles, and we were all saying the Jaguars are going to the Super Bowl because they looked freaking unreal, and the Patriots were bending over, sucking wind. Second thing I thought of was Andy Reid with time. Last six home openers, 5-1. and one. As the Kansas City Chiefs head coach, home openers on the road, he's 4-0. and oh. Andy Reid's first win as a Chiefs coach, Warren Sharp, guess who was against? In Jacksonville, the Chiefs won 28-2. to Does that mean anything to you? Yeah, Andy Reid's a great coach. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, know. I, I I would fear going up against Andy Reid because I love him uh, as a coach. I think he's one of the but best also in the when NFL he has and time, he's well prepared. Always. He, he always has his teams ready. So when I think of the Kansas City offense versus the Jacksonville defense, I got a little bit of a pause. Of all the games last year for Patrick Mahomes, his worst quarterback rating of the season was against Jacksonville. Tyree Kill held to four for 61. I know the Jaguars bracketed him, but Jalen Ramsey's length is a little bit of an issue. The thing that's positive for Kansas City, look, no more Telvin Smith for the Jacksonville defense. They got a rookie in Quincy Williams. They got a backup in DJ Alexander who's on the injury report for a hamstring injury. So I look at the, the Kansas City offense and I go, I could see Travis Kelsey having a big day. Flip it around. Jacksonville offense against Kansas City defense. That game last year, Jacksonville moved the ball up and down on Kansas City. The problem was is they had four turnovers in the red zone. Our man Blake Bortles had four picks. And one thing I know about Nick Foles, he is going to be a little bit more protective. Excuse me. He's going to be a lot better with the football than Blake Bortles. I do worry a little bit. Cam Robinson, their starting left tackle, coming off an ACL and a meniscus surgery in the offseason. Hello, here's Frank Clark. 
I'd like to introduce you to Frank Clark. By the way, they also have a rookie tackle, Jawan Taylor. Um, I see the Jaguars trying to pound the rock on the Chiefs and keep Mahomes off the field. I have the Chiefs at around minus three. The actual line is minus three and a half. If I were betting that game, which I'm going to stay away from, I would side toward Jacksonville at three and a half. That's how I see the game. How do you see the game? Not different. Okay, good. Okay, so here, let me tell you this. When Jacksonville played Kansas City in Kansas City last year, Kansas City has a good home field advantage. Big time. What do you think the line was? I think the line was, uh, I remember, because I bet Jacksonville, it was like Kansas City minus six and a half or something like that. Kansas City was only laying three. Wow. And what are they laying here in Jacksonville? Three and a half. Three and a half. Now, it was six. And I can tell you for certainty that that was extremely sharp position. Jacksonville plus six, plus five, plus four. So Sharps have been betting Jacksonville. They've for been like, betting Jacksonville for a while now. Wow. We are getting towards the tail end of where there might be value left in Jacksonville. Yeah, that half point. That half point. Well, look, you're absolutely right. Blake Bortles. Yeah. He, Huge had, fucking... he had five total turnovers in the game. Yeah, oh, okay. I he fumbled two he for fu- a touchdown. He fumbled two. Oh. They lost the turnover battle by three. But look at the overall entirety of the game. We know how awesome the Kansas City offense was, right? Yes. Jacksonville had six yards per play. Kansas City only had 6.1. Wow. Jacksonville actually had a 48% success rate in that game. Kansas City offense, only 42%. Mm. With Blake Bortles, Jacksonville was more efficient offensively. Now we've got a new play caller in John DeFilippo, and we've got Nick Foles. I would... There's no team, well, there's, they're in the neighborhood that's been more hyped this offseason with ready to take that next leap, the ready Chiefs? to win out than the Chiefs, yeah. right? One of the most hyped teams. And we know the most important position on the football team is quarterback. We know that there's very little places to go worse than Blake Bortles was, right? So Nick Foles, arrow up. Okay. The issue becomes offensive line is healthy for net is healthy. Wide receivers are healthy. Yes. The, Secondary. I mean, they, Josh Allen looks like a good addition. He looks like a great addition. Yes. Now, the only issue that I have with Jacksonville is people have this notion of Nick Foles as the guy who won the Super Bowl. Yeah, no. Right. But the reality is weeks one and two of last season. Go back and look. Oh, what he did was he do in Tampa as Bay? Fuck. It was terrible yes. down in Tampa Bay. Now Absolutely he didn't have right. good wide receivers, but it's not as if Jacksonville has like studs on their right. wide. You know, week one, Philadelphia last season, their wide receivers were banged up. Gotcha. Like they had some nobody's running. So if around you if you were too. betting this game, if you can get it at three and a half, the only way to go for you is Jacksonville. For me, yeah. If it gets down to three, now you're just picking a side, you're flipping a coin. And and then you and that means stay away. Stay away. When you when you feel like there's no value, you want to stay away. And now we should get into this little diatribe here for a moment. Okay. When do you want to back an underdog? Okay. You want to back an underdog if you think that there is a legitimate chance they will win that game. So one thing that we've done on this show for years, and we would have the thirty three percent making fun of me all the time, is I'd go. The Texans, they're getting six against the Packers. I don't think they're going to win, but I think they can keep it close. You're telling me never bet an underdog unless you think they can win outright. What you want to be able to do is you want to have with some confidence the ability to put a tiny little percentage of your bet on the money line Mm. when you're backing a dog and you don't want to think that you're just throwing your money away. 
Okay. You want to bet on dogs that you think have an actual shot at winning the game. Mm. Now, there are going to be some cases where, you know, you got a 13 and a half point underdog and you think like the back door is going to be wide open in this game. And so like, it's just, it's, you, you, you cap the game at, you know, nine and a half and you're getting 13 and a half. And so you think that there's value to go ahead. Right. That, but for the most part, when you're de- back in these dogs that are like between one and seven points, y- you don't want to just say, well, yeah, I think this is a field goal game and they could keep it close. You want to say, like, I think this is going to be tied yeah. late and they could actually win this game. Man. And so you got to be able to look at the team and look at the matchups. And that's where I do it a lot differently than just looking at trends. We were discussing this yeah, previously. Yeah. You're going to look at the matchups and the injuries and the coaches, and you're going to pull all that together and then figure out like what edges does this dog actually have? Mm. And where is the public kind of overvaluing this favorite in some cases? Combine those two. If they got a tiny little shot to win, then that's a good dog that you want to back. All right, so let's move to 4 o'clock. What was definitely going to be the game of the weekend for 4 o'clock was going to be Andrew Luck and the Colts and Phillip Rivers and the L.A. Chargers. And now we're sitting here and it's like, what the hell's going on with the Chargers? Uh, I mean, excuse me, the Colts. So that line movement, what is that at right now? Seven. Well, six and a half. Okay. It was back and forth. I'll do my breakdown. First thing I'm going to say is there is no home field advantage whatsoever with the L.A. Chargers. Wipe that off the books. It doesn't exist. Uh, in terms of the Chargers offense and the Colts defense, I'll start off on that. Eberflus is a defensive coordinator that drops everybody back. He wants you to beat him with 10-11 play drives. I see big games for Eckler and Hunter Henry this year. But my big storyline, bro, is everyone's talking about Andrew Luck. It's the Chargers injuries that I can't stop looking at. Russell Okung, their starting left tackle, out with blood clots. Indianapolis, what did they add at pass rusher? Justin Houston. Other injuries for the Chargers. Derwin James, out for the year. They have three linebackers on their injury report right now. Denzel Perryman, their starting middle linebacker. Jatavis Brown, one of their backup middle linebackers. And rookie Drew Tranquil. Justin Tillery, one of their big defensive linemen that they had to get Because I don't know if you watched that Patriots-Chargers game in the playoffs last year where Bill Belichick said, I'm just going to pound you with Sony Michelle a million fucking times because you're so damn small and you play seven safeties. They drive to Jerry Tillery. He's coming off all-season shoulder injury. Their backup safety, Nasir Adderley, coming off a hamstring injury, not been in a lot of practices. I look at this Chargers team. I think they're banged up. And when I did my line, I had Indy as a one-point favorite. Because I believe... With luck? or with Without with, luck. Okay. With luck, I would have liked him at four. But I look at the Chargers and the Colts, and I look at the Colts and I go, this is a team that has an unbelievable offensive line against what I believe is a very small defensive line. I, interior. Bosa and Ingram are phenomenal. But I think the Colts can push them back a lot. I think now they've had a few weeks to go. Nobody gives us any fucking respect. I think they have the better coach. I think that Jacoby Brissett is a solid quarterback, and I know you have more statistics on this. And I think that the Chargers, the way they beat the Colts is by sticking with the small gains. But this is Phillip fucking Rivers. And I like the Colts matching up secondary with these wide receivers. I really do. I like the Colts to win this one outright. It's going to be one of my super contest picks. Boom. All right, so do you see it like that? Do you see it opposite? Am I going too far? 
No, um, I don't think you're going too far. Uh, it's a good opportunity to bet the dog if you think they can win outright. So yeah. you're on the right page there. I took your advice. You took my advice. I think it's going to be uh, successful for you. Ooh, let's, okay. Let's, let's break down, first of all, where we've come in this last couple of weeks yes. with the Andrew Luck situation, right? The Colts were one of the Super Bowl favorites, and then they lost Andrew Luck, who is one of the most valuable quarterbacks in the NFL, right, in terms of to the line. They went from the least odds to win the division. I think they went middle of the pack uh, to go to the Super Bowl. Everybody reacted really hard. Now, if you look at this team, when they were sort of betting favorites to win the division, to you know make it to the AFC Championship game, I mean, they were number three, I think, below the Colts and the Patriots. I'm sorry, below the Chiefs and the Patriots. What were we talking about? We were talking about a team that we thought, I love their coach. Look how deep this roster is. Oh my gosh. Look at the talent that Chris Ballard has assembled here. All the things that like stand out to you about this roster yes. have not changed except for Andrew Luck. That's it. So let's take a look at now what was Jacoby Brissett? Well, I've seen people write articles and talk about Jacoby Brissett as a 4-12 and quarterback because that's what he was when he played for quarterback in 2017 when for this Andrew team. When Andrew Luck missed the whole year. When he missed the whole year. What people don't understand is context, and I think for the 33%, we're going to be talking about this a lot this season. We, just, we have small sample size sport. We have to understand context. Jacoby Brissett comes to Indianapolis on September 2nd, I believe, on Labor Day weekend of 2017. He was four days ago in this year. Exactly. Four days ago in this year, played none of the preseason games, got zero practice reps during training camp with the team because they thought Andrew Luck was going to play. They legitimately thought that Andrew Luck might play. Okay. Week one, Jacoby Brissett doesn't even know the playbook yet. He doesn't even, he's not the quarterback week one because he just got there. So they have a different quarterback week one. He goes to the Rams and gets pasted by Sean McVay in his first game. Oh my God, who was that quarterback? It was some little white guy. I remember that. Keep going, keep going. So he gets absolutely destroyed. And they're like, we got to go with Jacoby week two because this guy doesn't stand a chance. Okay, (laughs) So Jacoby comes in week two. And what do we know that happened? They, they, they only won four games out of their next 11. Right. However, what people don't realize is that that Indianapolis Colts. Scott Tolzien. Tolzien, yeah. Keep going. What people don't realize, that Jacoby Brissett-led team, in the 15 games he started, led entering the fourth quarter in nine of the 15 games. Wow. That is like a mind-blowing number because the number of, I think um, there's been no other team in the last 20 years to hold leads in at least nine games entering the fourth quarter and only win four. That's what that Colts team did. That's how bad they were. So you say, well, why did they blow so many leads? Totally predictable play calling. They were using Frank Gore to run the ball. They should have been using Marla Mack in the fourth quarter when they ran the ball. They had uh, totally um, giveaway formations. When they had three wide receivers in that fourth quarter out on the field, 100% pass. Less than three, they were running the ball. 100%. 100%, the only team in the NFL. Like, I go back and look at this crap. So I actually— So when when he would go out there with three wide receivers— the defense could just yell at each other. They're passing the ball with 100% certainty. And in analytics, whatever is 100% certain. Right. Now, you're wow. not, the, the fact of the matter is like week two, week three, week four, you don't have a lot of data to go on. So you're not necessarily going to be, be looking at that at that point in time. However, like later in the season, it's, it's far too predictable. Um, now, 
I don't know how many other teams are looking at that. I certainly look at that when I'm consulting with teams, I'm giving them those types of information, yes. but um, I don't know if their opponents were, but I could tell you like people internally with the Colts who were not calling the plays were pretty pissed off oh, because sure. they could see all these leads that they were blowing, but the public just thinks, well, this team sucks. So that's why they're blowing the leads. So you're liking the Colts right now. So I still think that the Colts are right now undervalued. Imagine being in that locker room. Imagine being in the Indianapolis Colts locker room or being Frank Wright coaching this team. And you are projected to win this division. You are projected to be one of the best teams to go to the Super Bowl. Okay. And then Andrew Luck retires. Boom. Bombshell. Right. And then every single person out there says, oh, this team is done. I can't believe what happened. Andrew Luck is gone. They have the massive disrespect card. It's bigger than anybody else's disrespect card this entire season. It trumps everything. Frank Reich is the same guy that came back, Bill's Oilers, all those years ago. And I want to say this. The Colts have had a few weeks now to put their questionable return guy to bed. It's asleep. You know what the Chargers are thinking about Sunday? I wonder how Melvin would be doing right now. And guess what? They're thinking about, man, my team doesn't even want to pay this guy that we know would make him better. So the Colts have put their question to rest, and the Chargers are sitting in it. And not only the Colts put their question to rest, they paid Jacoby Brissett for yep. an extra year. Yeah, vote of confidence, right? Yep. This is our guy. Brought we in believe Brian in him. Hoyer, so the quarterback. Re- okay, okay. And then Love think about guy. how Melvin Gordon, what that situation is going to be like. The first few drives oh, of that shit. game, if the run game doesn't. Go if, too if, well. If Eckler does one of his famous fumbles, it could be issue. All right, let's go to Sunday night. Steelers, Patriots. Uh, this is a game that has a lot of attention. I'm going to go quicker than I have before. Uh, okay. Tom Brady, his record at Foxborough against the Steelers. What do you think it is? Warren Sharp out of five games. Four and one or five and oh. Five and oh. He's played them in 17, 13, 15, seven and two. Two times he faced them in, se- in season openers, uh, 2015 and 2002. His touchdown to interception ratio in those games, Warren Sharp, what do you think it is? Impeccable. 18 touchdowns, no interceptions, and he's averaging 360 yards per game. The average margin of victory is 17.4 points per game. Big Ben, 1-4 at Foxborough. His one win, Brady wasn't there. Um, In his last three, he's six touchdowns, four interceptions. My big question, though, for the Patriots... Their interior offensive line. They lose David Andrews to blood clots. I shouldn't have this question because it's Dante Skarnecchia, but I will say the interior defensive line for the Steelers is probably their strong suit. Stefan Tuitt, Cam Hayward. And we know that Brady with pressure in his face, that's probably the one time you can get him. I have a lot of unanswered questions about Pittsburgh's injuries right now because Tomlin is not giving out any information. Sean Davis, Joe Hayden, Bud Dupree, Anthony Ciccolo, Mark Barron. I have no idea idea where they are. This is something I have to pay attention to on Saturday. Also, uh, I think New England's going to have a lot of problems with Steelers team speed defense. I think that I look at the, 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 the Patriots, their one tight end is banged up, and I don't think any of their wide receivers, maybe Josh Gordon, is going to really get away from any of these guys. I think the Steelers' defense is great. However, I think the Patriots' secondary is the best in the NFL, and I think they may match up with the Steelers' offense better than any team in the NFL. You put J.C. Jackson on Juju. 
You can corral Connor with all those linebackers that they got. You got Devin McCourty. Put him on anybody. Put him on Vance McDonald. We're feeling good, and I need to be proven that James Washington and Dante Moncrief can be the guy. I think that the Patriots defense matches up amazing. I have the Patriots. I had them at minus three. I think the line is five and a half. I think the Steelers can keep it close. I think they can win, but I don't really want to bet this game. I don't like betting against the Patriots at home, but I also don't think the smart odds are on the Patriots right now. So personally, I'm avoiding this game. What do you think? Yeah, um, if I had to do anything, you know, there's a way that I would look. It would probably be towards the dog, but you don't have to do anything. You would look at Steelers plus five and a half if you were to bet it. Yeah, and I'm probably not uh, on that side because of a lot of the reasons that you said. I think the Steelers are going to have a little bit of success running the football. I'm big on James Conner this year. I'm curious to see how the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to be passing the ball, what their frequency is, because they've led the league in like pass attempts in right. terms of pass frequency, but now they don't have the A-B out there. Um, so are they going to, you know, are some of those passes that usually go short, are they going to be less efficient? Are they right. going to try to run the ball a little bit more? I've got questions there, and I think the New England Patriots, look, coaching mismatched to the high heavens here. Like I do not have a lot of confidence in Mike Tomlin's ability to game plan against this, this offense. Right. Um, but this offense, like you said, is kind of banged up and there's a lot of question marks on that side of the ball. And I don't like the injury to the starting center. Um, I think they're going to be fine. You know, wins going to be great, but the Patriots historically have started slow. Like after week four, yes. I think we had a statistic that at home they're unbeatable, but before week four, they're very beatable at home. But I, I think the David Andrews thing. So you're you're looking at it going. The value is with the Steelers and the number. But the problem is, is that you have so much faith in Belichick and so little faith in Tomlin that it just makes it a coin flip, and you don't want to be involved. Yeah, as of right now, unless the injury information breaks a little bit differently, um, I haven't done anything yet on this game. And because to your point, man, I could see the Steelers pushing around that D line of the Patriots. This is a D line that lost Malcolm Brown, and you look at the rest of the D line. Sure, Michael Bennett's great, but he's smaller. They lost Derek Rivers. It's Adam Butler, Lawrence Guy, Danny Shelton. That could be pushed around by a phenomenal Steelers offensive line. It's going to be a great game to watch. I just don't think a good game to bet. I hear you. You agree with me? I agree. All right, so what do you think of my analysis thus far? On point. Yeah? Really good. Okay. You got the injury information. You got stats. You're I, backing it all up. You got you to look at everything from like a well-rounded perspective. Yes. And you're bringing it. Okay. Then the Monday night football game. I appreciate you saying that. I needed the confidence boost. Saints-Texans. Um, we do not have any information right now on injuries. So take that with a grain of salt. Those injury, Even the preliminary injury reports aren't out yet. First thing I'm going to say is, which of these which of these runs mean more to you? On the road under Bill O'Brien in September, the Texans are one in five. The Saints straight up in the first two weeks of the last five seasons are one in nine. Their only win in the first two weeks of the last five seasons was against the Browns last year. I think that's kind of crazy. What do you, what do you think about those runs? Um, it's, it just speaks a little bit towards the coaching and the preparation. You know, I think coaching is, is one of the most underlooked elements. Sean Payton's won one game in the first two weeks, the last five years. That doesn't make sense to me. It does not. Um, there's obviously a little bit of variance sprinkled in there. Um, but 
if you asked me how many he would have won out of 10, I would have said more than one. So. Yeah, so you see that as a trend that's interesting, but there's too much context that we're not paying attention to probably. That and it sounds like you got like both coaches are in a similar spot where they're not as yes. good. So uh, I look at the Texans defense right now. I don't think their linebackers are that great. I don't think their secondary is good at all. They probably lost one of their best cover guys in Kareem Jackson. They lost Tyron Matthew. Um, I see this as... Uh, one with a lot of shootout possibilities. Uh, I think the guy that no one's talking about that's phenomenal is DJ Reader. I had the line at Saints minus seven, and then it was Saints minus seven. Is there any other information about this game that that sticks out to you or that you think I'm missing? No. uh, Well, there's a lot of other information. We're not going to be able to dive deep enough into it right now, but um, I think that this game is going to be exciting to watch. I think I'm going to see if my questions are answered about this Houston Texans defense because they played the most laughable schedule of opposing quarterbacks last season. It was definitely something I noted in my book, yep. how all these backups, I mean, you, you, your your brother-in-law could have been one. I mean, like, they didn't play anybody of caliber except for, like, a game against Brady. And, um, you know, now they have to go up against Drew Brees and Sean Payton, right? A team that knows how to game plan against that defense potentially. Uh, so I want to see how Houston's defense ends up looking here. Man, but right now seven feels like a good number. It feels like an accurate number. Um, maybe. Okay. Maybe. Is there a side you're leaning to right now? Or is there an over-under that you're feeling? Like the over, I, I've said I want to hit every Texans over for like the first few weeks before it gets calibrated. I just think this is a team that has destroyed its defense to build up its offense. My conspiracy theory is Bill O'Brien's going to go, oh, this is the year where I'm kind of on the hot seat, but look at my offense. We're top six. Stills and Hopkins and, and Kiki Kati and, and Will Fuller, and now I have my left tackle. Like It's all offense right now at the Texans. It is, but what I want to see is Bill O'Brien is such a run-heavy coach. Mm. They run the ball a ton, but they don't have like that bell cow that they used no, to use with Duke Lamar Johnson's Miller. No, Johnson's a pass-catching running So back. Duke is more of like that traditional third-down back that you would put in there as like the scat back to catch those passes. He can run some between the tackles, but that's not his strength, especially on early downs necessarily. So I'm intrigued to see, does Bill O'Brien change his stripes and Mm. coach optimally to his roster, or does he stick with the philosophy that you and I both know is less efficient towards winning games? That'll be the interesting thing to see when the Texans have the football. All right, so now what we're going to do is I'm going to make my five super contest picks. You have not seen these. You don't know where I'm going to go. I'm going to get your initial reaction, and then I'm going to explain, and then I want you to kind of be my therapist because, Warren, I come to you a better that has had some success. I'm a 50% better, so that's probably a lot of failure, but I'm coming to you to set me straight. First one that we've already talked about, I'm going to be going Colts plus six and a half at the Chargers. What do we think? What is your what is your gut? Would you steer me in a different direction or would you support me? I would support you. You would. Okay. Do you want to expound on that anymore? I've already given no, my whole we hit rant. that we hit that game pretty good. So I think I think uh, I think we're good. Okay. The second game uh, that I am going to go with is going to be. Are you looking at your screen? Mm-hmm. Carolina plus two and a half, a home dog. Your initial feeling about that? I don't mind it, actually. Okay. I don't mind it. Okay. Here's my reasoning. Okay. 
Carolina's won their last five openers. And I get a little scared because the Rams under McVay, they've won their two season openers by a combined 57 points. So both good teams in week one. Cam is healthy. I'm not worried about that. I look at the Carolina offense with Cam, and I see a Rams defense that I find to have taken a step back this year. No Indomitian Sue. I find they just lost their starting inside linebacker, Micah Kaiser. The, the Rams have added Clay Matthews, who I believe is over the hill, and their starting le- middle linebacker is now going to be replaced by a special teamer in Bryce Hager, and I'm going, oh, so you have slower and older linebackers, and you're facing Christian McCaffrey. Okay, that's the first thing that I thought of. I also think Carolina's offensive line is healthy, and I think they're very good, and I think that they're going to have – they're going no one stops Aaron Donald to be able to handle it. But the real advantage I find is the Rams' offense against the Carolina defense. I think Carolina secretly has the best front four in the NFL, maybe front seven. Kawan Short, Gerald McCoy, Don Terry Poe against a Rams' offensive line, an interior offensive line that's losing their best guard, Roger Saffold, and their center, Jonathan Sullivan, and going to Joseph Noteboom and Brian Allen. I'm seeing a change in the interior of the offensive line of the Rams and the best position for the Carolina defense. Jared Goff also on the road, touchdown to interception ratio, 11 to 10. Also, of any quarterback in the NFL, nobody was impacted by pressure more than Jared Goff. With a clean pocket, his passer rating was four. When he's under pressure, his passer rating was 28. And I just told you that I think the Carolina defense is going to come right up into the face. I saw this originally. I thought it was Panthers at home. I thought it was Panthers minus three. And then I go and look at the line, and it's Rams minus two and a half. I like Carolina a lot. That's my argument. Well, like if you look at the season win totals and everything – where Carolina is seven and a half and where the Rams are, it does make sense that Carolina would be favored in the spot by the line makers because of the power rankings. Um, you mean the Rams? The, the Rams, Rams would be favored. It makes sense that the Rams would be favored. Here. Yes. Um, one of the interesting things that I think about when I'm looking at this game is I remember Sean McVay after that Super Bowl, right? And he was torn up from that game. And I remember his quotes afterwards where he was talking about how much it stuck with him, how difficult it was to get over that game, how much he kept thinking about it and how that much that lingered into his off season. It still affects him today. I mean, some of the coaches that went lose a Super Bowl, never going to fully get over it. Right. But I felt like, you know, he saw it was a close game for most of it. He saw these opportunities and then he probably looked back as like, I didn't take advantage of X or Y and, and it, and it bothered him. Um, they get Cooper Cup back, and they're a lot better with him. But this offense hasn't done anything in the preseason. And you could say, well, they're such a well-oiled machine. They're just going to come back and be just fine. Um, maybe they won't, though. Maybe, maybe it's going to take a little bit of an adjustment. Uh, will Sean McVay do things a little bit differently You know, this upcoming season? Will he still use the same personnel right. groupings? Will he use a little bit more 12? Um, those are things that are to be determined. You... You know that I'm a little bit higher on the Panthers than As most people are. Yeah. And so I look at them, and I was really impressed by what I saw from I Cam got, I got last season. I got them in the season. South, man. And so I think there's a decent shot. They're, they're going to have to come out and hope that L.A. playing out on the East Coast. Oh, that's right. And it's a West Coast team at 1 o'clock on the East Coast. 
slows down. That, does that still matter? Is that something that you still look at? Um, I've heard that fluctuate over years. It it does. It it matters a little bit, but it's not as what it once was, right? With Damn, all the types of travel. Yeah. So it's definitely not working against you. Let's just put it that way. If it's helping, it's helping you. Right. So is that another thumbs up from you there? Yes. Fucking A. Dude, I'm, I'm so locked in right now, bro. Okay. This one, I need your advice. My third one is one that this is one that I, I would typically have bet in the past. And my gut is telling me that I'm wrong. And my brain is telling me that I'm right. Okay. okay? Interesting. Baltimore minus six and a half in Miami. We just talked about how they're getting 89% of public money. I don't fucking care, Warren. Am I crazy or am I okay? What's your gut feeling right away before I get into it? It's the first five minutes, like I said earlier. Okay. The first five minutes, you don't have Laramie Tunsil there. The offensive line was already a mess. What is, okay, here's my initial take on this game. What is the main thing that everybody is saying that the Baltimore Ravens, like what is their biggest problem? Their biggest problem, it's not the downfield, secondary. Downfield passing. Well, offensively. Oh, oh yeah. Offensively. Don't have a pass rush. Yes. Defensively, it's it's that question about the front seven and they being able to get Suggs, up to the quarterback. They lost uh, Zadarius Smith. Because well, who's going to replace Because him? when I look at their offense, it's going to be better than it was last year. Yes, L- Lamar is. Jackson is going to pass the ball better down the field than he did last year. I mean, if we want to talk in generalities, but if we want to talk about this team versus last year, what is the number one thing people are saying against them? It is they lost guys on the defense that are leaders that can get after the quarterback. What is the one opponent in the league possibly more than any <laughs> where it does not matter necessarily if you lost some of those guys, you are still going to have an edge. Exactly. You are still going to be able to compensate, and that's this game against the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins' offensive linemen, they are starting two rookie guards. Their left tackle is Julian Davenport, who we were making fun of on the Texans, and their right tackle is Jesse Davis. Sign me the fuck up for the Baltimore Ravens. Miami does have an insane home field advantage. And it's something that no one talks about. And it's going to be 94 degrees on Sunday. And they've won three in a row at home in September over teams that they were probably not as good at. But you know where the quarterback of the Baltimore Ravens is from? Fucking Miami. So Lamar Jackson ain't going to be tired at all. I don't, where are you going to go with this? You gonna well, I was going to ask, you know, when I've seen hurricanes move through the area, generally after they leave, less humidity. And I don't know if that's gonna if it, if it's moved through too quickly or not, dude. You're a meteorologist too. Yeah, we got we got to factor in <laughs> all the like the wind speed, the direction of which it's blowing across the field, how much precipit, like yes. all these different things that'll come into play as we yes. talk about these games. But um, heat with less humidity doesn't feel the same as heat and huge humidity. So we got to see what it's going to be like by Sunday. So I have no concern about the Ravens defense at all. Like Ryan Fitzpatrick under duress, making questionable decisions with Baltimore secondary, who might be second best in the NFL. Really good. Other thing, Ravens offense, three tight ends, power football, offensive line. You know who the interior linebackers, because they traded Kiko Alonso, the Dolphins. One of them played in the CFL and the other weighs less than 230 pounds. Lamar Jackson, Justice Hill, Mark Ingram, Gus Edwards, Nick Boyle, Mark Andrews. It's just a flurry of combinations and big people and heavy sets. And the Miami is going to switch to a 3-4 and their first game is going to be against Baltimore. 
Like, I hope you know your assignments. Everything about this game makes me think the Ravens are going to win 30-6. to It won't be as bad as the Buffalo game last year with Nathan Peterman. The only thing that scares me is that it's in Miami, Ryan Fitzpatrick has a shamrock up his ass, and the temperature might get hot. But I'm fucking all over. I thought it was Baltimore minus 13 and a half. And so when I saw it was six and a half, I was like, okay. You know Lamar's not going to get that respect. But what I will say is this. One of the interesting things is we saw in the preseason a quarterback battle go down in Miami. Fitzpatrick and Rosen. So let's think, how does this apply to what we're doing for week one? They were running their offense. They were trying to see what these quarterbacks could do. half the snaps. They're, They're, well... He got half the snaps, but in addition, they were showing what they were trying to do during the season. Baltimore was hiding everything. So which defense has an advantage? I'm pounding the fuck out of this. I think I'm three for three right now. Okay. (laughs) My fourth pick, four. Now, I won't be laying Baltimore, but I'm not disagreeing with it. So you wouldn't do it. I'm not. I'm, I I personally have not done it. I see a lot of opportunities on this card. I really like this week one card more than most. Wow. But but what I'm saying is that um, I would not be backing Miami here. But I am not probably Shit. going to be on Baltimore. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying that. Okay. I don't disagree. I'm just not on it. My fourth team. Are you ready? Buffalo plus three. Warren came into the studio and he said, Lefko, I know you're high on the Jets. I don't know about this week. Let me, so you, you're obviously on my side with this one. Yes, sir. The reason I love this is because I had this one as a pick'em. And I look at this game and I think that there's the first thing I focused on was we have statistics about how Adam Gase has done against Buffalo. And I looked it up and it ain't pretty. Gase in his games against McDermott, Average 17 and a half points per game. Everything about Gase is underneath. Everything about McDermott is keep you in front of me with the zone. So this is Sam Darnold going to have to pick apart a super active zone. Buffalo returns four of their five starters in their back end. Their safeties are phenomenal. Their corners are really talented. Their linebackers are athletic. They all And they've all played together. Sam Darnold, I think, is going to be very confident. This is a Bills game where Darnold, this is the game where Darnold led the comeback win against Buffalo that started him having a 99 quarterback rating and 6-1 to touchdown to interception ratio for the last four games of the year. So Darnold will be confident, but I think it's going to be a tough matchup, and, and I don't know if he's going to have the opportunities to beat him deep. I'm very worried about the Jets' offensive line health. Brian Winters, limited practice with a shoulder. Ryan Khalil, their starting center, He came out of retirement on August 1st, and it's not like Ryan Khalil was great last year. So I'm looking at Sam Darnold with a guy that just came out of retirement, and he's going up against Ed Oliver and and Star Lutalele and all those guys that you know Buffalo's got the, the horses. Buffalo's offensive line against the Jets' D, I think it's going to be a tough matchup, but I think Buffalo's offensive line is deep. They got a lot of dogs. They got a lot of Ty Naseckis. You know what I mean? Like dudes that are not going to get beat often. The one big mismatch, because I think this is going to be, I really think this is a pick The one place where I think it can change is the secondary for the Jets is banged up big time. Rashard Robinson is suspended. Tremaine Johnson has a hamstring injury. They just traded with Indianapolis to get Nate Hairston like 
week ago. So he's going to be one of their guys in the rotation. Allen, Josh Allen is the league leader in throwing deep passes by percentage. The defensive coordinator for the Jets is Greg Williams. He is aggressive as hell, and he will leave dudes on an island. I don't even play DFS like that, but one dude that I would throw a flyer on is John Brown. Let's dial it up deep and see what he can do. And if Buffalo gets that deep shot, I think it turns. I think it starts Sam Darnold thinking a lot, and it, and it puts more pressure on the Jets to go. We got to try that thing against Robbie Anderson, and I don't know if that's necessarily their offense right away. I I see the Bills winning this game by one, so I'll take the three right there, and I I really like the Bills in this situation. Yeah, so this is one where this line, to me, is not necessarily wrong, right? The Jets are at home. It's a divisional game. They're favored by three. That's what it's supposed to be. However, do matchups dictate that the Bills might have a shot here? And when you talk about the matchups, I think you're absolutely correct. Yes. So, Dude, I'm on fire right now. You, you are. I'm, I'm really liking your card so far. But let's talk about where I think the biggest concern for me back in the Bills is absolutely their offensive line. Because while they added pieces and Mitch Morse is back from his concussion yes. and he's their starting yep. center, definitely an upgrade. The issue becomes how much have they played together and how well are they going to do against picking up all these blitzes, right? Because communication along the offensive line and knowing where to be and who to pass guys off to and Greg brings a ton of blitzes. That's really my biggest concern. If Josh Allen can survive those blitzes and get the ball out of his hands, the one thing that Buffalo did that's unique. And I talked about it in the book, but not many other people were talking about is they got rid of the tall, lanky, big wide receivers and brought in Cole Beasley, and John Brown, the short, quick speedster guys who can quickly get open as opposed to I've got a bigger reach than you and I'm Calvin bigger than Benjamin, you. Yeah. So I'm going to just, you could throw the ball to me and I'll grab it because your DB's down here. What they're going to end up doing is get open real quick off the line and get hope that that hand. intermediate pass has improved from Josh Allen. It was his biggest weakness is throwing with accuracy on what's those shorter gut, what's passes. What's your gut tell you right now? My gut tells me that I'm worried about his accuracy. Okay. You know, I, I, I legitimately am. But here's another thing that you didn't mention that I think is of note. I, you mentioned the offensive line of the Jets, and I don't like that matchup against Sean McDermott. Yeah. The interesting thing is, how well will Le'Veon Bell run behind that line? Because he's so used to, in Pittsburgh, the horses up front, the way that he's going to run with patience, timing, and then explode through a hole that they slowly open up. If none of those holes slowly open up because this offensive line is different, how long will it take for Le'Veon Bell? And I think he's a stud, right? But we didn't see him last year. How long will it take for him to get to where he needs to be? I I don't understand. Uh, I haven't seen it yet. And so I want to see it to really feel how he's going to run behind this offensive line. My prediction that's not related to anything, the star of this game that people will be talking about on Monday is going to be Tremaine Edmonds of the Bills. I think what you just said about Le'Veon kind of dancing a little bit, and you have, in my mind, one of the best athletic freaks really in the NFL at middle linebacker Tremaine Edmonds that's just going to be sitting there with him. I think that Tremaine Edmonds is going to leave this game with like 12 to 15 tackles. I think you're absolutely, I think I want Le'Veon to be successful, but early on he's going to have to get adjusted to his center getting blown back and his right guard not getting on the pull because no offensive line did a better freaking pull than the Pittsburgh Steelers anywhere. And he could follow that perfectly. And I, I look at, I mean, 
David DeCastro, number one in the NFL in pulling guards. I don't know if I can say the same thing about the Jets right now with Brian Winters, no. with him banged up. No, and, and, and we mentioned, and you mentioned this, like, here are some of the numbers. Sean McDermott's defense held Adam Gase's offense over the last two years, four meetings, 16, 16, 17, and 21 points. Exactly. Now, I do think that Sam Darnold, I'm really big on Darnold this year. I think he's going to throw over 22 and a half touchdown passes, which is what his number yes. is set. I think he's going to do well this year, but you know, this is this opportunity for us to, to look in the opposite direction, potentially. Okay, my last one, I am thinking Detroit minus three. In Arizona. This feels like an old Adam bet as well. Here's my reasoning. What's your, your gut reaction? Is that, is that the number uh, in the contest right now? I believe it is Detroit favored by three in Arizona. Are you seeing it differently somewhere else? I mean, it's pretty much two and a half across the board. How do I? But the, at Westgate, it is three. Okay. So, so, damn. I'm still taking it. Here's my reasoning. Arizona secondary right now is a mess. Patrick Peterson is suspended. Robert Alford is on IR. They're starting Tremaine Brock and rookie Byron Murphy. I look at the, the, the Stafford, and I would be buying Kenny Galladay big time. I also looked up Patricia versus mobile quarterbacks last year. How did he do against them in the run? Because I'm expecting Kyler Murray, when thing breaks down, to run. Russell Wilson, two carries, 15 yards. Mitchell Trubisky, three carries, 18 yards. Cam Newton, two carries, two yards. Josh Allen, nine carries, 16 yards. The one thing Patricia can do is scheme up on defense. I don't like what he asks his offense to do and be so run-reliant, but I think Detroit has, under the radar, one of the best defensive lines in the league if Mike Daniels is healthy with Ashawn Robinson and Snacks Harrison and what, how they're going to clog up the lanes. I think Slay and that secondary match up well. I know they're banged up a little bit in the linebackers, but I don't know what Cliff Kingsbury is going to do, but I know that Patricia is going to be ready for it. I'm taking Detroit minus three. I don't love it. Okay. Um, yeah, give me the I truth. don't know enough about Carolina uh, about uh, again, about the Cardinals. That's the issue, right? I like to look and uh, get a better understanding. Here, I want to do some projections, right? Because yeah. I feel like I know the league better than a lot of other people. Yeah, I'm kind of betting against imaginary stuff right now. We don't know what this offense is supposed to be. They're supposedly hiding a bunch of stuff, but. Were they hiding the splits of their offensive line in the preseason where guys were gutting right through the them? splits, the clapping, all of that. Now, I know Arizona has a low-key, huge home field advantage. They but I didn't know. What is that? Uh, they're just extremely solid at home. I mean, their, their, their win rate is better than what you might expect. Um, games tend to be a little bit lower scoring. Um, so for, for teams less accustomed to playing there, now, guess what? Detroit, Detroit played there, there last year. And they now, won 17-3. to three. They now, won seven of those points were Darius Slay pick six, but they did go there and they did win. Right. And that was obviously uh, against a much worse yep. Cardinals team. But the question is, this game is going to come down to, my opinion, the way that Matt Patricia plays is totally opposite what Keith Cliff Kingsbury plays. I still think it's going to come down to the trenches. I think it's going to come down and I, to, and I think Detroit is so much bigger on both sides of the ball than Arizona. It's it's laughable. This is this is a trench game. This is a trench game, and whether or not that Detroit offensive line can push back, because I know Arizona's got some problems on the back half. Yes, but they want to start. Uh, Patricia wants to start with the run. Yeah, going to push and vice versa. 
I like David Johnson. I think he's got some potential in this offense, but I don't know enough about how is the offensive line upgraded at all because it was bad last year and David Johnson was bad last year from yes. a statistical perspective. New offensive scheme, yes, but is that scheme going to have success week one when you didn't do much of it at all during the preseason? All right, so what we're saying right now is that the picks I initially said were Indy plus six and a half at L.A., Carolina plus two and a half hosting the Rams, Baltimore minus six and a half at Miami, Buffalo plus three at the Jets, Detroit minus three at Arizona. You gave me a thumbs up on Indy, a thumbs up on Carolina. You said, I understand Baltimore. I don't like it. Thumbs up on Buffalo plus three, questioning Detroit minus three. The other three games, I'm not going to go into detail, though, that were on my fringe that I was going up and back with Detroit and Baltimore. I need your help here. New Orleans minus seven, which is just too much. I don't, I don't fucking like it. Cleveland minus five, but I know that the Sharps are just pounding against Cleveland, so I get it, but like, I really don't like Tennessee at all. And Tampa Bay and a pick against the Niners. The, I look at Tampa Bay with the weather there, the Niners' defense, especially their secondary, is banged up right now. I think Tampa Bay's offense, it's going to be a shootout, and I'm just taking the home team. Did you like any of those more than the ones I already said? Um, I definitely didn't like one of them, uh, but liking them anymore, no. I, okay. I want to say no. Then I think I'm going to keep those five. Now, if there's any injuries before Saturday – I, I hold the right to refuse. Look, you got money on the line here. You have to yes. get the best information and submit your final card. So if it changes a game or two here or there, it's to be expected. All right. Let's make our first phone call to our proxy to enter our first round into the super contest. Uh, you might know our proxy. So a proxy for everybody out there is somebody that lives in Vegas, and there are some casinos where you have to actually have someone in person to enter your picks. For the contest. For the contest. Yeah. Not 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 real bets, because you can't do that. Yeah, not real, but just the contest. Yeah. All right, so let's give them a call, guys. How are you feeling? You, you, feel, you think I'm doing well? I think you're doing great. Yes. You're more dialed in than I expected. Oh, bro. Hello? Hello? Who's this? Hey, Bill Krakenberger, who's this? Hey, Kraken, what's up, bro? Lefko and Warren Shaw. What's going on, buddy? First week football, everyone's salivating out here in Vegas. Oh, man. Warren, say hi to Crack. What's up, my man? I talked to this hey, guy Warren. like probably like five times yesterday on the phone. <laughs> We're getting ready for the season. We did. Oh, yeah. Oh, all right, oh, so yeah. Crack, so, so I have uh, my five picks uh, that I don't want you to enter them just yet because I want to make sure that there's no injury updates before Saturday. Um, but yeah. I, have, I have three thumbs up, a half thumbs up from Warren, and a I wouldn't make that bet, but I understand why you're doing it. So I'm going to read them to you, and wow. I want to get your okay, initial cool. reactions, okay? Sure. Okay, first pick, Indy plus six and a half. Okay, let's go to the current. I, I'm doing a strange thing this week. I'm, not, I'm going by really line... The lines where they came, where they started, where they are now. Right, right, right. Uh, let's see. Indy plus six and a half versus the Chargers. Um, yeah. Okay, good. I got, not, okay. I got nothing to say on either side of that one. Okay. Carolina, so like Carolina plus two and a half. Okay. Oh, I love I gotta this. Write these down, you guys are making me millions. Okay. Carolina versus the Rams. Uh, people love that the Rams were – Basically, a uh, Super Bowl contender. They were in the Super Bowl, of course. So, first week coming out, 
And uh, I'll tell you what, we're 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 a little, I'm a little high on Carolina. I know yes. Warren kind of likes that team too a little bit. So yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a great great selection. Okay. The public may be all over the Rams there. So Beautiful. fantastic. All right, so I'm with the public on this one, Crack. Baltimore minus six and a half. You know, um, if I had to pick a team right now that I'm going to be using in most of my contest picks, believe it or not, I'm going to be a square and go with Baltimore. Yes. I think Miami is that bad. This is more of a bet against Miami than it is on Baltimore. Hey, I think this should be a T-shirt. Sometimes it's okay to be square. Sometimes yes. it's okay. Yes. Okay. Uh, I'm with you there. Next one, Buffalo plus three. Great line, two and a half. Most spots, most of the sharper spots in the world have two and a half. Nice. I have no problem with that. Buffalo plus three, fantastic. Wow. All right, and the one that I'm, I'm betting against the, the rookie quarterback and the rookie coach, I'm going Detroit minus three. Probably the, the least most interested contest yes. uh, of, of the week and uh, is going to be that contest. So, um uh, yeah, I, that you know, I wouldn't be picking that side, but yeah. I wouldn't be picking the other side either. So, okay. And, and the three points bothers me because there's a lot of two and a half out there. But hey, Arizona could be that bad. Okay. All right. So, crack. Those are tentatively going to be my five. Do you have any that you'd like to spotlight uh, that I didn't talk about? I, you don't need to give me your super contest. I just, you know, you are my sure. proxy, so I, I'm asking for guidance. Yeah. Warren, Warren is my no. uh, guardian angel, and you're like my guardian angel uncle, where you're kind of like, hey, uh, fuck you. So what do you want to do? <laughs> Baltimore, uh, I, I, I'm using myself, so I, I agree with that. I have no problem with your first three. I'm staying away from the Buffalo Jets and Detroit, Arizona. Arizona plus three, I actually looked at. To, to, but, you know, the, the, this line opened up Pick'em when they came out months ago. It's been all Detroit money, and I sure understand it. I, I don't have a problem with, with any of them. I'm not going to use Arizona, but yeah. I thought about using Arizona because of the line. You yeah. have to go by the line here. The line was three, and it's two and a half. Um, I, I actually like your picks. I look forward to putting this in and – Look forward to do this weekly. I'm sure you're getting some you good have, input there. You have any Warren. other crack? You have any, you have any other picks? You got like a crack special? I mean, look, guys, if you uh, want I mean, cracks, pick. I'm if you using hold. Jacksonville on my cards. Oh. I'm using Jacksonville plus three and a half. That's uh, a good one. You know, I, I know that uh, Kansas City is one of the contenders to go to yeah. the Super Bowl this year, and uh, I just think Jacksonville will probably want to make a little bit of a stand. I talked to Warren a little bit about it yesterday. Yeah. Um, their defense is good. Warren likes their defense a little bit. So I, I think uh, I, I think it. Jacksonville will be one. I will, I'll be using them on, on a couple of my uh, – that, that would be my, my, my two picks that I'm going to be keying with is Jacksonville and Baltimore. Now, this Don't. is not to say I'm going to be betting these games, but this is, this is for contest pick-wise. They're, they're probably two of them I'm going to be using on most of my selections. All right, I'm, I might steal that. I'll let you know. Guys, if you want all the Cracks picks, uh, download the Crack We're Wins app. He gives away a uh, pick a week, and if you want to pay for more, he's got a ton of picks. Crack, thank you for being my proxy. You're the man, bro. Appreciate you. Guys? Uh, okay. We can hang up on Crack. That's the perfect way to end it. I'll call him back later. Um, oh, hey guys, can you hang up on crack? No, I still hear him. Okay. Anyway, uh, I think we we went through a lot of the games. How did you feel about episode one? 
I hope that we're going to make some people money. I think we got some good information out there. And what's interesting is you look at the four teams that are most likely to that won, that went to the title games last year. Yes. So that is the Patriots, the, the Rams, the Patriots, and the Chiefs. Chiefs, right? We're looking against almost all those teams. Wow. So now you like the Saints, so I'm not saying we're against that yeah, one. I didn't say anything on that one, but you're looking against the Chiefs with the Jags. Yep. Looking against the Patriots a little bit, maybe you're staying it's a away. High number. It's staying a high away. Number. Okay. Looking against the Rams for sure with the yes. Panthers. And then the Saints, you know. You could probably we'll sell me on the Texans. Warren, I am so excited to do this every week with you. Uh, as the computer models start firing up, it's going to get even crazier. Uh, we're going to see if we can make $1.5 million at the Super Contest. And I, of course, want to hear from you guys about what picks you like, why I'm an idiot, and how we can improve this show going forward. Because this is just, it's, a, it's an open, it's a wiki. We can keep building on it and do whatever we need to. And, of course, check out Warren's website, sharpfootballanalysis.com. He's going to be keeping track of injuries. To be honest, I'm going to go online with my corporate card, and I'm going to buy a subscription right now because it's a work expense. Bang, bang. And I need all the information next week. It's going to be your theme music from here on out every Friday. Love it. Love Love it. it. Do you have any final message for the homies out there, the 33%? Good luck, fellas. Week one. Yes. Can't wait. Can't wait. Uh, the L-E-F-K-O-E man for Ingber and Jake and Matt and Nick and everybody in the back. You guys are awesome. For Warren, you're the fucking man. We will holla, holla, holla at you next week. Peace. Peace.